0: Hey, welcome back to the program. Let's pray in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' holy name, I beg you to bless those who hear my voice right now, whether they're listening on the radio or on a podcast, whatever form it is, Lord, give each of them, give each of these dear, sweet brothers and sisters of Christ of mine, a sense of your presence and your power at work in their lives. Lord, meet them at their point of deepest need. Stand with them, Lord, where they're struggling. I pray, Lord, that you'd release within them the graces and the giftings that you have poured into their lives to do well Today to do well in the things that they're facing right now, I pray in a special way for those who feel a bit overwhelmed, who feel a bit uh, uh, frozen in place, a bit traumatized by life circumstances, or whose wounds are are carrying. Uh, you're feeling them heavily, uh, heavily today, and so Lord, I ask, please, please be close to them, Lord Jesus. Give these brothers and sisters of mine a sense, uh, a surprising sense, that you are not. Alone, that the Lord is with you. And I thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' holy name, amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Well, some of you are driving in your car with your parents on the way to school, and I'm speaking to you. Jesus sees you, He knows your name, He knows what you're going through. He's going to be with you today. You see, you don't know what you're going to be facing. You might think, oh, I know what's going to happen in this class and in that class. No, the Lord knows exactly where you're going. He knows the, in each class what you're going to be facing. And you know what? He's a faithful God. He's a provident God. Providence. God's providence means that he's going to provide, right? You can hear that word, providence, provide. He's going to provide you with what you need to be able to face and be victorious in the midst of a difficulty, a trial, a, 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 a thing that's not easy or pleasant, Jesus is a faithful Lord. He is a good shepherd. He is the good shepherd. And in a shepherd, what does a shepherd do? Remember, a shepherd guides and protects his flock. He knows them by name. He calls them by name. The sheep recognize his voice and they follow him because they know that he is going to lead them into green pastures where they'll be able to eat. And if there are wolves that come and threaten the flock, he will put his own life at stake to drive away the enemy. That's Jesus and so much more. That's Jesus for you today and so much more. Jesus is a a, a living Lord. He's a glorified Lord. He just didn't live 2,000 years ago, but he continues to meet us today. And that's an incredible thing. He can meet you today in a way that you can sense his reality, his reality when you pray. So, you know, you hear, you hear a knocking, knocking on a door today. Just when you hear a knocking on a door, wherever it comes from, however it happens, just remember this moment. Remember what I'm saying to you. You hear that knocking on a door, use that as a reminder that Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart. What does that mean, knocking on the door of your heart? What that means is, is that he's close to you, and he wants to enter into the inside of you, the inside of your, of what you're thinking about, the things that you're feeling, the things that you're hoping for, as well as those places in, in your heart, in the core of your being, the center of your being, on the inside of your being, where it's hard. It can be confusing. It can be dark. You can feel lonely. You can feel cut off he's knocking. And it says in the scriptures, it's the word of God, right? So this is a powerful thing. When you speak the word of God, it has power. It has power. It has the ability to break through obstacles that we aren't even realizing that are in the way from us having a greater sense of intimacy or nearness, our sense of connection, a living connection, a rich connection with Jesus Christ himself. That when you hear that knocking, recall. Okay, Jesus is he wants to come closer to me. And when you hear that knocking, just say the simplest of prayers. You can say it in your own words. You don't have to try to memorize it, but it's a prayer that expresses a sentiment. More than a sentiment, it expresses a determination. It expresses a will. It expresses an intention. I Jesus, I hear that knock, and I say to you, please enter my life more completely. Jesus, enter my life more fully. Jesus, please, I'm not always convinced that you are with me, that you even know about me, or that you care about me, or that you want to do something about the details of my life that I just find really hard right now. Say that to him, if that's what you're experiencing. Don't be afraid to bring out into the open, in your own personal prayer, The things that are happening on the inside of your life. That's a gift of prayer. That's a gift that the Lord has for you when you pray. And it is so important for you to learn how to pray. It's so important because you're not always going to be in a situation where your parents are taking you to a school where prayer happens, where you're going to church and you're seeing prayer happen. You might be even praying as a family or you say a few prayers before you go to bed or maybe when you wake up in the morning. Jesus wants more for you. He has more for you. And when I say more, I don't, I don't mean just like, oh, more money or more stuff, the stuff that you really want. Hey, you want a new record player? You want some vinyl? That's my new word my brother, my, my brother, my son's been talking about. He wants, he wants a record player and he wants albums. I'm like, what? You just kind of gone backwards about 40 years. <laughs> no, dad, this is the biggest thing. This is the latest thing. The, the Lord has something better than a record player, better than vinyls. He can get on the inside of what you're facing in your life that makes you feel anxious, that makes you feel worried, that makes you feel afraid, that makes you feel a bit overwhelmed, that makes you feel like you don't belong, that makes you feel like no one gets this, makes you feel like I'm just ugly, makes you feel like I hate myself. He wants to get in there. He wants to get in there into and, and, and that part of your life, that part of your heart, that part of your mind, that part of your memory, that part of your imagination, that part of your emotions, that part of your life. And He wants to bring a, a surge of light. He wants to bring life-giving, fresh water, the water of life, the Holy Spirit, to fill you, to wash over you, to cleanse you of those feelings, of those ways of thinking. He, he wants you to, to, to stand up and wake up and walk around with a sense of peace. Do you want peace in your heart? Do you want peace in your life? Do you want peace in, 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 in those dimensions of your thinking that bring you down? He is a Lord who lifts up. He is a Lord who knows how to weave his way into the cellular level, the genetic level, the, the molecular level, the, 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 the level of the spirit, right into the core of your being. Right into your bloodstream, His precious blood will mix and move and and cleanse you of thoughts and words and deeds and and situations that make your life harder right now. Do you believe that? Do you know that? Are you confident about that? And are you looking to Him? One of the great sadnesses is that there are so many blessings that the that Jesus Christ. He, he is ready and willing and able to give you, but you don't receive them. And do you know why you don't receive them? Because you don't ask. I know that sounds crazy. Just just hear it again. Just, just stop and just ponder this for a minute. Jesus Christ, who does see you, he, he is he is not just watching you at a distance but he's with you he's he's, he's, he's with you in his nearness the nearness of his love and his presence and, and he wants to get on the inside and he wants to release on the inside he wants to release into your life peace that will crowd out confusion light that'll crowd out darkness he, he has joy that'll crowd out fear he has trust that'll crowd out doubt. He has clarity that will crowd out confusion. He has strength that will meet you at those places where you feel weak and powerless. This is Jesus. This is who he is and wants to be in your life. In the scriptures in in Revelation chapter 3, and Jesus talks about knocking on the door of your heart, and when you let him in, he talks about having a feast. That's how that's how good it is to let Jesus in. When you let Jesus in, it's a feast. It's a feast that happens. Do you want to have a like not, not fast food, not junk food? Right? Not, not not food that is going to be sweet in, in the mouth but bitter in the stomach. No, the best of the best of foods. Heavenly bread. Jesus Christ Himself coming as spiritual food and drink that will feed your soul in your mind in your heart. This is who he is, and this is what he has for you. But if we don't have it, it's not his fault. If we don't get it, it's not, he's not to blame. If we miss out on it, it's because we don't ask, seek, and knock. We don't ask and seek and knock. Did you hear that? Oh, well, wait a minute. If you're telling me, Tom, all I have to do is ask and seek and knock and in, in the way that Jesus has just said, whatever that means, and we're going to find out what it means, but if I do that, I'll be opening my life, opening my heart, opening all I am so that he can come in and he can bring riches, richness, he can bring riches, he can bring goodness, he can bring life, all of these good things he can bring to me. Yes. Yes. Absolutely true. It happens. Now, if you're Catholic, you, you get this, um, but I got it in a new way. I was listening to a talk, or no, I was reading an article for about the Mass. And it had to do with the idea of the Mass as a meal and a sacrifice, right? The holy sacrifice of the Mass, the sacred liturgy, is this great act of Christ the High Priest, and the making present of the act of Christ, passion, death, resurrection, ascension into heaven is Paschal mystery, right? That's what's made present at Mass. That's the sacrificial element. And there's a way in which there was a critique around, oh, it's also a meal. And that's part of what, when we look at the altar, it's also a table where there's a meal, a sacred meal. know um, hearkening back to the Passover meal. Um, However, there was a different dimension of meal that I had highlighted in my book on the Mass, mass, the Mass for Encounters with Jesus that will change your life, but I had not captured it in quite the way that this article did. And it's this, that the Mass is also an anticipation of the heavenly wedding feast, so I just was talking about the way that Christ wants to come and have a feast with you, and bring a feast into the inside of your being. And the article pointed out that at Mass, we are drawn into a heavenly feast. And the priest who that is turned towards the East, the priest that is turned towards the tabernacle, so if you go to a traditional Latin Mass, the priest is turned away from the people and the insight was, well, the priest is along with the people on one side of the table of the heavenly banquet. On the other side of the table is heaven in the heavenly banquet. And it's Christ, the high priest, who is operating in and through every priest to bring us to the feast. He's he's there, he's bringing us to the feast at every Mass. And so when you have this priest turned Towards the altar, turned towards the uh, tabernacle. He's also on the earthly side of the table, and he is providing a way for us to access and enter into the heavenly wedding feast. I say to my kids sometimes, "Hey, when you go to mass, you dress. You're dressing for a wedding, like because everyone knows. Like you go to a wedding, it's so special. You get dressed up in your very, very best." And my kid one of my boys decided to put on sneakers. I'm like, he was dressed up fine. He had, you know, a nice collared shirt and a sweater and and slacks. And You know, like these dress sneakers. I'm like, uh, yeah, no, that is not happening. You're dressing for a wedding. And that took on a whole new meaning. No, 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 you're dressing for the, the wedding feast of the lamb. And the incredible thing is that... At that wedding feast, at every Mass, what is it that we feast on? What is the rich food, the supernatural food, the heavenly food that we receive at the feast? It's Christ himself. So when I say to you in prayer, Christ is knocking at the door of your heart. He wants to come in and have supper with you. He wants to feast with you, and he wants to feed you with heavenly gifts and graces to make you alive, to make you free, to make you at peace, to make you rejoice I'm simply taking the experience of mass where we experience that in the highest way on earth and turning it to the experience that comes from mass and should lead us back to mass encounters with Jesus in prayer that are also a feast where his grace and presence and power at work in our lives. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Hi, this is Dr. Tom Curran and you know me as the host of Sound Insight. drtomcurran.com. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. So I began the first section of this program with a a big word of encouragement. It's funny, I just felt led for some interesting reason. Well, I hope it's God. (laughs) Some interesting reason. As I started to pray, a, a little flash came to my mind of some... Um, students being driven to school and listening to sound insight. I have been told that uh, by a number of parents that when they're driving to drop their kids off at school, they'll turn on the radio and listen to me for a handful of minutes towards the beginning of the program. And f- I don't know why. It normally is not like prompted in my mind, but this morning when I was uh, putting together the program for this morning, And I got to the prayer, they came into my mind, and I had this little nudge, this little interior nudge that said, talk to them, talk to them about me. This is Jesus, right? Jesus prompting me to say to to talk to them in a way that they could understand. Don't worry about adults, don't worry about sophisticated language, don't worry about highfalutin concepts. Speak to the kids. Speak to the kids like their kids but tell them about me. Tell them about me. There are many of my children, many of the Lord's children, many brothers and sisters of the Lord Jesus who do not know the riches that he has in store for them. And I just went with it. I just went with the direction I was supposed to go in. It's not on my... It was not on my um, on my uh, sheet, my my hand my, handle, my agenda, my what's the word I'm looking for? It, w- it wasn't on my uh, uh, <laughs> my outline. Dang, that was a hard word. It wasn't on my outline for today. I've got my outline. I'm never going to get through it. But my outline was on asceticism and mortification. <laughs> maybe maybe you're happy. I didn't get to my outline yet. And the, the, the title of my program is Reinvigorating Our Lent Through Asceticism and Mortification. Doesn't that sound like a fun program? <laughs> uh, so, so when I felt this little prompting, it's like, great, let me go with the prompting, right? And, and that's a really important spiritual discipline. My brothers and sisters in Christ, if, if we believe, and I hope you believe, that your life of faith is marked by a relationship with the living God, right? And a relationship with the living God that is so alive that he has an intimate care for every hair on your head, every thought that you think, every word that you speak, every thing that you'll be doing, and every relationship you're involved in. I, I, for some reason today, I feel this a bit of a call, a prompting, again, it's one of those promptings, to talk about healing in relationships and how, believe it or not, and and we'll explore this how asceticism and mortification can have a relationship-centered aspect to it. Okay, uh, and and why do I say that? Most asceticism, spiritual training, spiritual disciplines, and acts of uh, mortification are are really about us, just us as individuals, and they can easily become associated with a goal that's just inside ourselves. But I heard another talk that was talking about pain and suffering and identified the way in which the Lord uses pain and suffering in various dimensions of our lives to bring about a good, to bring about a good, right? Of course, through his Most intense and and profound suffering that anyone ever experienced on earth, Christ's death on the cross, and through his entire passion and and death, he saved the world. And he draws us into that same redeeming act of suffering. But beyond that, like very uh, um, profound understanding of suffering, connecting it to Christ and his suffering. Um, we, we can tend to focus on sufferings that are sufferings of the body, sufferings of the mind, sufferings of the spirit, sufferings in our emotions. Well, I want to add to that sufferings from relationships. Relational suffering is often one of the, the biggest sources of the most profound suffering in our lives relational suffering and that's the suffering that happens between a husband and a wife between parents and children between grandparents and grandchildren and then between siblings right these relationships that that are by blood and run so deep that when there's a suffering involved it can be so so uh, deeply impacting someone's entire outlook on life. So, when I think about uh, the reality of uh, the, well, this program, it's following the prompting of the Spirit. That, that That's your duty, too. That's my duty. It's not just a duty. What is it? It's, it, it's, it's the, the characteristic. It's the trait by which we, in fact, follow the Lord. Did you hear that? Discipleship is so much less to do with external conformity than it does to do with interior obedience. Do you want me to say that again? External conformity versus interior obedience. And so, what what does that look like? What does that actually mean? Well, external conformity means, okay, everyone get up. It's Sunday. Let's go to Mass. Why are we going to Mass? Well, it's the commandment. It's an external imposition that we recognize and acknowledge as having a sway in our lives, and we're going to go do it. Right. That's an external conforming. And then you could take the same with the other commandments. Honoring the mother and father, not taking the Lord's name in vain, not stealing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And and it can be a matter of the commandments are in the word that, and these these are the words of Pope Benedict when he was Cardinal Ratzinger they're perceived as a heavy weight, as a burden that's too much to bear. If the entire rationale for fulfilling them is an external imposition. Now, let's just acknowledge it. An external imposition and letting that motivate us to do the right thing, that's not bad. (laughs) That's not bad. We should feel an external imposition that would move us to do the right thing. But if we're going to be disciples, disciple means follower. That's personal. That gets rooted in an encounter. That puts Jesus at the center and his Holy Spirit alive in our hearts. And so discernment in our tradition is about learning to recognize the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, where are you speaking? Where are you prompting? Where are you nudging? Where are you moving? And I want to sense that, be clear about that, and then take action on that. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's why prayer is absolutely critical. Because it's through prayer that we will nurture our relationship, our personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. Did you hear that? I didn't say with Jesus. You will nurture a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. If that is foreign to you, that idea, if you haven't really heard about that before, just talk to the Holy Spirit. You're not going to offend Jesus. You're not going to somehow betray our scriptural and Catholic tradition of prayer if you're not talking to God the Father or to Jesus. No, talk to the Holy Spirit. I am so often asking the Holy Spirit to uh, be alive in me, prompt me, help me get a sensitivity to what you're asking. Holy Spirit, where are you? Holy Spirit, give me an anointing, strengthen me, release new gifts in me, move in me, help me to sense what it is you want of me, give me the strength to follow your promptings. Right, That's that Holy Spirit prayer that we pray as a family, at the beginning of every family prayer. That Cardinal Mercier prayer, O Holy Spirit, soul of my soul. That's how interior the Holy Spirit is. The Holy Spirit's in the core of my being, in the core of the core of my being. O Holy Spirit, soul of my soul, I adore you, Holy Spirit. I love you, Holy Spirit. I do, I love the Holy Spirit. Do you love the Holy Spirit? I love you, I adore you. Enlighten me, guide me. It's that personal It's that personal, the Holy Spirit, again, is so intimate, so near to you, so aware of what you're facing, so aware of what you need, and so active inside you, that the Holy Spirit will, in fact, bring you light, enlighten you, will, in fact, prompt you to move in a certain direction, guide you, strengthen me, that's the next word, strengthen me, console me, strengthen me means not only is is he going to give me light about what to do, not only is he going to prompt me to get down the path, he's going to give me the strength to walk the path, and then console me. He never said it's going to be easy, but in following his promptings, I'm going to get a sense of consolation. I'm going to get a sense of confirming that, in fact, this is what the Holy Spirit wanted. This is what the Holy Spirit was, in fact, doing. It's a great way to refine your own capacity to discern. Strengthen me, console me. Tell me what I should do. There we go. Who's the Lord? Who is the Lord? Who's the one that gets to decide and determine what happens next? And I gave you the example of that in, in my program today. At the very beginning of the opening prayer, this uh, little enlightenment happened, and it was the, the kids in the car. I'm supposed to be talking to them and and talking to them about Christ, and then that led into a, a whole segment of the program about Jesus and how he wants to come and and be a feast in you. He wants you to realize at Mass that you've been welcomed into the wedding feast of the Lamb through Christ on his cross, and he is bringing you on his side of the table, on the earthly side of the table, he's connecting you to the heavenly banquet, and then from the heavenly banquet, that banquet table comes the Lamb of God, who is then going to feed you with heavenly bread that you can use to, in fact, be nourished and be alive here on earth. That all came from prompting of the holy spirit. Okay, so now in this segment of the program, I'm talking about why there's so much at stake in this. Well, what's at stake in this is we're living our lenten obligations, we're living our catholic obligations, but if we only live them from the outside, then we will be potentially like the pharisees who justify our sense of righteousness, who let's use let's use more up-to-date words who can then conclude, yeah, I'm really kind of living a holy life because I'm doing all these external things that conform to the church's teaching. But do I have an intimate, personal, profound, life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ do I sense his living presence and power in my life and in my heart with me and guiding me? And do I sense the power and promptings of the Holy Spirit and in the intimacy of my being? And am I sensing with a sense of attentiveness and alertness that he may prompt me at any moment to take a direction? That's what, that, that's being a disciple. That is being a disciple. If if we Live our lives day to day without that sense of the prompting and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Strengthen me, console me. Tell me what I should do. Why would you even say that if you didn't think that the Holy Spirit could communicate to you? If you didn't have a lived experience, a lived reality that the Holy Spirit is alive and in me and and he delights, delights to communicate to me what I need to know. Tell tell me what I should do. Give me your orders is the next part of the prayer. Give me your orders. That's the position that I'm in. My day is not my own. My day is, Lord, you go in front of me. I yield to you. You hear about yielding to the Holy Spirit. Don't sadden the Holy Spirit. Don't harden your heart. That's what happens when the promptings of the Spirit emerge in us and we ignore them or reject them. We refuse them. We rebel against them. That's what hardens our hearts, because that's the battle of discipleship from within our own deepest being, is am I going to say yes to the Holy Spirit and yield to his lead and allow him to move me even beyond where I want to be, what I want to do, what I'm comfortable doing, what I like doing, and am I going to follow him? Tell me what I should do. Give me your orders. And then there's the final, I promise, I promise. Tell me what I should do. Give me your orders. Sorry. Tell me what I should do. Give me your orders. I promise to accept all that you ask. Of, no, to do all that you ask of me, and I promise to accept all that you permit to happen to me. Let me only know your will. So there's this fundamental sense of docility, receptivity. This sense of I say yes in advance to what it is you're asking. Just come, Holy Spirit. Be that alive in me. So, well, there we go. I guess in the, in the first part of the program, my my theme was jesus and experiencing lent as the feast of letting jesus come into your heart the second part of the program was really about uh the feasting on the the relationship with the holy spirit and discerning what he is asking of us i wonder what we'll talk about next we'll find out in a minute welcome back to sound insight this is tom Kern. it's great to be with you today so first part of the program it's all about jesus in this lent there's a lot at stake in this, and I was pointing to the gift of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is alive in us. And I really do ask you, uh, if, it, if it's not too much, just beg. Just beg the Lord. God the Father. Let's, let's go to God the Father now. The, the, the love that God the Father has for you is incomprehensible you'll never be able to wrap your mind around the love that God the Father has for you. You cannot conceive it because it's limitless. In our minds, we cannot comprehend what is limitless because our minds are limited. Now, that is not... That, that, that's, what a, that's what a mystery is. So a mystery is a truth that is so big that your mind can't contain it. And here's the thing. Saying that truth and even saying it with a, a sense of emotion or, or deep sincerity, it means nothing unless you experience the goodness of the truth. And the beauty of the truth. You see, what is true is also good and beautiful. What is true is also good and beautiful. And when I think about what it is the Lord is doing, it it goes back to the Father. I read in, I think it was in the Missal, the 1962 Missal, on on the Mass. Uh, there's a section at the beginning that was something like the Mass in you or your Mass or something like that, it's just this section, and it, it is one of the more profound reflections on the Mass I've ever read, and it's just there at the beginning of the missile. Oh, it's like the Mass in your life. And I say that as someone who has a Ph.D. in systematic theology and has read a number of books and studied at the, uh, at the Gregorian University, one of the leading theological universities in the world, the sacraments and the, and the Eucharist, and at the, at the Ph.D. level. And i got to tell you, one of the most profound things I've ever heard said and connected it to the Mass was about you. And it's this, that you— Oh, and, and, and I too, you and I, but each of us, but let's just make it personal for you. Do you know who you are? I, I, John Paul II uses the language of gift. Do you know who you are? You are a gift that the Father gives to the Son. God the Father is infinite and eternal. And the in, infinite, eternal Father loves to lavish beautiful, glorious, perfect, uh, stunning gifts to give them to the Son. And you're one of them. That's how precious you are. That's how beautiful you are in God's eyes, the Father's eyes. He designed you. He designed you in all the particularities of, of what makes you you. You. And he said, Son, eternal Son of God, O perfect one, I give you this dear, sweet child to you. And Jesus, what does he do? He is born among us in order to take all of us All of creation, every single human being that is created in all of the history of the world, to draw them into himself in order to present them with him as, are you ready now? A gift to the Father. He's standing in front of you as he approaches the Father. You who have come from the Father as a gift to the Son is now, this is what's called reciprocity, in the communion of persons. Sorry, I went to big language there for a minute. It's reciprocal. It's give and take. It's it's the communicating forth. It's the receiving, affirming, acknowledging, celebrating what has been received. And then it's making a gift in return. And Jesus forges himself as a gift to the Father, and he includes you and me in that gift. I know, that, again, this is really, really theological and all of that, uh, and it can have incredible spiritual ramifications if when, we, when we ponder this. But it, it just comes down to that root of understanding the gift that you are in the eyes of the Father. The gift that he's given to the Son and then the gift that has been redeemed and given back from the Son to the Father. You see, you think Isn't it easy just to get lost in worldly ways of measuring our value, our importance, what our life means, who we are? It is so easy to settle for us clinging to an identity that is connected to our bank account, clinging to an identity that is, ba- uh, that is connected to where we live. Clinging to an identity that is based on our career. Clinging to an identity that is based on our looks. Clinging to an identity that is based on our connections. Clinging to an identity that is based on our success. Clinging to an identity that is based on measurable things in this world. Clinging to an identity that is based on the shameful things we've done. Clinging to an identity that is based on the harsh things that people have spoken to us and that have told us that we're nothing. Clinging to an identity that is false, that's a lie. These are all lies. And God the Father is saying, I want to pour forth into your life a love that you cannot fathom. It's one of the reasons why I love the Divine Mercy Chaplet. I'm guessing that many of you are familiar with the message of divine mercy. St. Faustina, that sweet sister, uh, a contemporary of St. John Paul II within a handful of miles from where he grew up, and he, St. John Paul II, said that he believes that one of the purposes, among others, but one of the reasons why he was raised to the pontificate was for the sake of of bringing the message of divine mercy to the world. And part of that message, part of that message is about God the Father. God the Father as the ocean of mercy. God the Father of mercies. God the Father of mercies, the God the Father of favor, lavishing favor, upon those who don't deserve it. Inviting fresh starts and new beginnings with an encompassing love. Did you hear that word encompassing? Encompassing means you're surrounded. And so the message of divine mercy, one of the the aspects of divine mercy is the sinner who is the furthest from God, who is the most rebellious, who seems to have no hope connected to him or to her because of the manifest rebellion that they're in, Plunge them into the ocean of mercy. And when someone's plunged into the depths of the ocean, first of all, think about it. We often think, oh, plunged into an ocean, we think of, okay, you're there at the seashore, and someone comes, in and you push them into the water, and they might fall in, they can stand back up, and they can get out. No, no, no. I want you to try to follow, like, just in your imagination... Uh, you get into a like a, a helicopter, right, and you go out into the ocean a thousand miles so there you are a thousand miles out into the ocean that is now several miles deep and it, it's, you can 't see any land from any direction and you drop that person into that ocean it 's limitless it 's fathomless you 're completely encompassed that was the revealed image in that Uh, in that message of divine mercy, of who God the Father is, an encompassing, merciful Father who's lavishing love upon us all. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Curran. So the theme of today's program on my outline, and I've got it titled for my uh, computer file here that is the, the record of this program is reinvigorating our Lent through asceticism and mortification. I haven't reached point one yet. <laughs> oh, but I hope that this has been a blessing. This program is being a blessing to you because it, in some ways, is the, the goal of Lent. Remember now, the ultimate goal of Lent has to is is connected to Christ and His journey through the desert, connected with the Israelites and their journey through the desert. So it's about what being set free from the slavery of our own sin, our own personal Egypt's. It's being set free from that, and it's learning to be cleansed and formed and prepared to enter into the promised land of good things, where we are called upon to do battle by living out our identity as God's children and the good things that he has promised to us. And with Christ, it's the Holy Spirit that pushes us out into the desert that Christ has especially set aside for us as we journey with him into a place of what? Of solitude, where he communes with God the Father, and with all of creation a peaceful coexistence with the animals you might not have noticed that little detail in the um in in the gospel account i think it's in mark and and there also to face the temptations and the trials associated with the living in the uh, living in a world that is still under the dominion of the devil now it's been conquered by christ but in that moment in the desert. Uh, you have the the temptations against what right uh this the world and the flesh and the devil right these these battles that that Jesus faces and overcomes and gets us ready to be able to face spiritual battles and overcome them and then what happens after the desert? He immediately starts his proclamation of the gospel as public ministry and and that's gets us to this what Lent is all about, which is what it's about being set free in order to be ready for. It's to be set free from in order to be set free for. He said "Is setting us free from the world, of flesh, and the devil in our own lives through prayer, fasting, and almsgiving so that we will be more radiant in our holy union and communion with the Lord and Jesus will be more manifest in all, every thought, word, and deed in how we live our lives because the love of God the Father and His mercy has poured forth upon us that the Holy Spirit is within us, moving us, and that Jesus Christ is shining forth And, oh, there we go again, right back to the second reading from Ash Wednesday, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We are ambassadors, as it were, God appealing through us in Christ's name, be reconciled to God. He who knew no sin was made sin for us so that we might become the very holiness of God. My brothers and sisters, do not receive the grace of God in vain. For now is the time, now is the day of salvation. Lent is a holy moment. It is a break, breaking into our lives of this moment of grace. And once Lent is gone, it's gone. And then you move on to Easter. And so it's a holy moment of opportunity where the Lord is breaking in. And in breaking in, he wants to do some pruning wants to uproot sin, uproot it, uproot it through penance, uproot stuff. Don't just get it forgiven by going to confession, but uproot it so that it doesn't have a stranglehold on our lives and it doesn't just keep reappearing. And to establish new spiritual disciplines so that the things that were maybe not sinful in our lives so much but were weakening and diminishing the glory with which Christ was appearing through our lives, those things go away. And in fact, we bring in a more rigorous, invigorating spiritual discipline so that Christ will shine forth in our lives more fully. And so if we are fasting from the use of our smartphones so much, guess what? At the end of Lent, you don't yee go all back in on the use of your smartphone, but Maybe, in fact, you have a new habit established in your life, and it's like, you know, thank you, Lord, for the gift of Lent. I have been set free from my need for the smartphone. Not nearly now am I going to be drawn back into using it the way that I have. You could do the same thing with you know, whatever, video screens, or you could do it with regards to how I'm spending my time and my binge-watching TV versus reading a good book versus being quiet in prayer versus seeking the Lord in adoration versus taking time to be in fellowship with other men or women or couples groups, uh, being more uh, uh, what alert to the idea of stewardship I've got one life to live, and Lord, am I using it for the purposes for which you have created? Or am I doing my own thing with the time that you have given me? And so, that's really the key here. The key is us remembering that Lent is about us shining forth as ambassadors for Christ. God appealing through us. In Christ's name, be reconciled to God. That, that's why we're doing what we're doing. I'm not just giving up stuff for Lent for the sake of giving stuff up for Lent. I'm not just giving up stuff for Lent because it's some kind of external imposition. The church says I've got to fast on Ash Wednesday and Good Friday and abstain from me on the other Fridays and, and then take up some form of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. If I'm only doing that as an external obligation, I am barely a beginner, but I'm not yet a disciple. Disciple is personal. It's Jesus centered. It's Jesus focused. It's spirit motivated. It's glorifying the Father, right? It's Trinitarian. It's it's personal. It's that or it's nothing. Well, maybe it's not nothing, but it's certainly deadening. It's hard. It's like I I don't honestly I I don't know two things. I don't know how people. Go live day to day with the stresses, pressures, anxiety, depression, sadness, confusion, and feeling overwhelmed by life circumstances without Jesus Christ in their lives. I really don't know how they do it because of the amount of relational suffering, because of the amount of internal woundedness and brokenness, because of the the way in which we become bound up by sin and we get stuck in our sin and we feel terrible about it and we have to deaden that part of our feelings in our conscience in order to be able to continue on. What a terrible, terrible life. It's horrible. Do you feel that? Do you, do you ever think about that? Do you ever wonder about that? But folks that... Are lacking in a vital, vibrant relationship with Jesus Christ, what they don't have is joy and peace, freedom, and a sense of communing love that that leads them to, to a meaningful, purpose filled way of living their life. Those aren't just words, those words mean something. And if you have those things that are part of your life, even in some degree, it's because of your connection to God that's living. Your connection to God the Father through your Son Jesus and the Holy Spirit. Maybe you don't even use any of that language, but if you have those elements of faith, hope, and love alive in you, that sense of God alive in you, what a gift! Now nurture it. That and that's the second part. How do people? How do people who are Catholic or Christian, but just let's just say Catholic right here, if if we're Catholic, and and we say what's the easiest way for us to grow in faith? It's probably by doing something like. Uh, maybe it's listening to a talk or listening to a radio program, right? And being, being able to have religious conversations about stuff. You know what's harder? Praying. Praying quietly. Battling against distractions. Battling to be focused. Humbling ourselves. Uh, crying out to the Lord for the grace to go deeper. And making room and making sacrifices to make even more room to actually grow in our faith through prayer. it It's this mysterious refusal to take action after having heard what is the authentic guidance from the scriptures in our tradition, the great saints and popes. So It's like, pray every day. Pray for an hour a day. What are you waiting for? Carrie said that to me on the way home uh, uh, last night. We were at an event, and uh, she's been doing this um, like Bible study. It's like a faith study, and uh, like eight or nine of the eleven women were there at the event we were at last night. And she's like, "Honey, you do realize, like, pretty much everybody there—they go to my Bible study—and all their husbands were there. Why aren't you doing a men's group?" And I'm like, uh. <laughs> "She's like, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? That's a sense of stewardship." The stewardship of the one life we have. My brother, I, I'm not, I'm not going to be held accountable. I am not going to be held accountable on your judgment day. That you're not going to be able to say, nobody told me that I needed to rigorously examine my life and think about, am I living the life God wants me to live or am I just living the life that makes sense to me or frankly the life that I prefer? No one told me the things I needed to do to actually get to the next level. Well, I'm telling you, you You wanna get to the next level in a way that God wants you to? You gotta go before the Lord. You gotta fall down on your face, and you gotta say, God, I give you everything. I give everything to you, everything that is part of my life. And I say to you, please, strip me of the things that are holding me back from following you in accord with your plan, and Lord, please, give me the grace to recognize and the strength to follow whatever it is you want for me. Please, make me the saint that you intend me to be, please do not let me die without fulfilling the mission for which I was created and you keep praying that until things start breaking loose that's my humble suggestion all right I'm gonna get into my program join me tomorrow for more sun insight